So what? We watch anime. So what? We play League. We're just having fun. We don't care who sees. So what? We stay in. It don't bother me. Living young, pale and nerdy. Hello and welcome to the Reaton Entertainment Podcast, episode 254. For July 12th, 2020. My name is Nathan Reen Spruth, and joining me this week, we have Ann. Wait, wait, you're Connor. That's right. I'm yeah, Con- Ann. yeah, Connor the Cyberpunk Monk Besh. He's gonna take you back to the past. Yes. Ladies. I think I, I think somebody owns that the rights to that song. No, no, you're you'll be fine. Oh, okay. So uh, Aroa couldn't be here because he is, uh, he said his head is trying to escape his body is what his exact words were. So he won't be here today. Uh, of course I'm your host, Nathan Reen Spruth. And, uh, what games have you played this week and where can we find you? You could find me at Twitter at cyberpunk monk. Although I guess you can't, I've been thinking about it and I'm less and less interested in Twitter. Yeah, because this pandemic is awful and everything is awful, but I'm not really digging the social part of social media lately. I I understand. Uh, I got a cop got really mad at me today. (laughs) Very, very mad at me. And I thought it was hilarious. Uh, Thankfully, he did not. He was not in range to shoot me, but I'm sure he's having some some words with the local PD to to see to make it happen. He's going to facilitate it. That's awful. Speaking yeah. of awful, I haven't played much of nothing lately. It's been another rough week at work. Well, uh, how many hours did you work? This week I got 51. That's not too bad. I'm only getting uh, paid for 40. That is too bad. Yeah. I've worked like 70 hours in a week, but I got paid for 70 hours, so that was pretty sweet. But working 51 and only getting paid for 40, do you get comp time at all? Yes and no. Um, okay. It's supposedly going to be given, like, if I ever want to take a vacation. I haven't done anything like that yet, so I don't actually know, like, which calendar gets doxxed from first. Yeah, it never is equal. Um, So when I was working at Sony, my boss was like, oh, yeah, it's never equal. But every once in a while, like, if you work two or three days extra, they'll be like, oh, you can get Friday off type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, that one of my bosses had like multiple days of comp time accrued. And then on top of that, he was already maxing out on his PTO. So our manager was like, you need to take the comp days because then you'll be able to take the actual vacation time. So uh, it probably goes comp time first is what it seems like. Probably, hopefully. Um, yeah. I, what, what I usually get told when I work a bunch of hours is, Hey, on Monday, if we're not busy, you could leave an hour early, but of course we'd have to not be busy. So never, you're never mm-hmm. going to do that. I'm um, hoping I can get some sort of situation where I get paid out like cash, but yeah. probably not. Probably not. So for me, I played some overwatch this week on Dude. Monday. Uh, it's, it's fun. I like the game. Uh, I played persona Four golden, which you really love it's a great game it's a great yeah. game i don't I don't know why you don't like that game um to satisfy our discussion later on this podcast i've actually been thinking about that and we'll talk about it then okay and then i played some hard space ship breaker uh which is good 
but I have some complaints with it. Uh, but it's in early access, so it's you know these things can be ironed out, and it's only twenty dollars, so the complaints aren't aren't huge for that. Uh, my main complaint is during the career mode there is a time limit. I don't like that. Um, I don't like the fact that it, it's only fifteen minutes. So you finally learn. I I finally was able to get some ships torn apart and completely deposited in 15 minutes. Uh, but then you move on to a bigger ship that has way more connection points and just is way more intricate. And you feel like, okay, 15 minutes just is not enough to take this ship apart and get all the money out of it. Uh, and I guess they are adding in difficulty options later on uh, that will extend the time limit. So that should be uh, pretty pretty helpful when it gets to that situation. Also, I ran into a couple bugs, but nothing nothing super game breaking. Uh, one was I forgot to depressurize an area, and then I like I you know you open up a door and it goes into outer space, and it it's violent and like pushes things, but then it depressurizes. So like if you open up the cockpit and it's not depressurized, it will, you know, shoot a bunch of air at you because it's it's taking that Pressure. air and then putting it into a yeah, vacuum with into a vacuum. Uh but uh it just kept doing that. Like it just kept pushing the air that shouldn't be there anymore. Uh which was a bit uh you know, bad, but again, uh, it's an early access game, so so I'm giving giving them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, and I don't think I really played anything else this week. I did get some new emotes that are uh, waiting for approval. So if you're on the tier 1, 2, or 3 subscriber tiers, uh, you will have access to my new emotes probably starting Tuesday. Probably starting Tuesday. Well, I can't uh, wait to see them because someone else will have to post them for me. They are uh they are pretty good. Uh our good friend uh Icky, Georgia Icky on Twitch made them. Uh speaking of where you can find me in Twitch, you can find me on Twitch because Mixer is dead at twitch.tv forward slash Reeton, uh YouTube, uh youtube.com uh forward slash Reeton or Reeton Entertainment, uh and Twitter at Reeton. You can find my website at Reetonentertainment.com and my podcast that you are listening to right now can be found at Reeton Podcast on all of your local like devices like iTunes and Google Play and all that jazz. Uh, so press the follow button, and if you're on iTunes, give us a rating. That would be pretty cool. So let's move on to some stories, and we are going to talk about H.266 encoding. So, so this is fun. We're starting out with a very jovial sub subject. That's right. Uh, Hang out your seats, everybody. It's about to get wild. Yeah. So we've got, there are a lot of different coding, like, or a lot of different codecs for encoding footage, like 4K and 8K and all that. H.264 is the main one that's used. It offers a pretty decent balance between CPU power and relative file size and also looks really good. Then there's another one that's uh, H.265, which 
offers better compression, so it's smaller file sizes, but it, from what I was reading, it looks like it's 20 times slower to process on a processor. So it's good uh, for things like Netflix or Amazon, where they have to store tons and tons of video because it has higher compression rate, but uh, keeping good quality. And now they're coming out with something called H.266, which apparently offers the same quality as H.265 at half of the bit rate, which sounds great until you realize that H.265 is already 20 times slower at com- like decompressing than H.264. What were you going to say? I was going to say this is amazing unless you're the one who has to do the, the compression. Right. Uh, and, and we were talking a little bit before the podcast about this where, uh, like, I, I stream from my PC to Twitch quite often, about five days a week. And I was like, why aren't, why is there no option to use H.265 for the for the encoder for your your video because that would theoretically give you as good or better because you could um, at that point you would be able to lower the bit rate so if you kept the same bit rate and you were at H.265 it would make the stream look better theoretically the the did my what I said make any sense at all yes absolutely okay. So then I was reading into it and I was like, oh, it's 20 times slower though, which means it's going to push your CPU quite a bit just to decom or just to compress it. And then it's going to cause more of a delay. So instead of getting, you know, I think I'm getting about three seconds delay now on my uh, Twitch, it would get like probably like a 10 to 20 second delay if we're if we're lucky here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wouldn't be great. So I wonder how the compression is going to be on H.266 on this. It seems like it's not going to be doing much. And also, a lot of things do not will not be able to take advantage of H.266 until those features are like built into CPUs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Until we start building the devices that are optimized to use that sort of encryption. Right. Because even like encoding. Right. A lot of uh, older PCs or um, like Raspberry Pis and stuff couldn't do H.265 because they just don't have those codecs available to them. So they're just like those instruction sets aren't built into the machines. Now, I could be wrong about this, but you gave the example of streaming and you gave the example of the Raspberry Pi, like a home server or something like that. I don't really think that's what this is designed in mind for, though. It is not. It is designed for taking a large file, like a, a, a 4K file, and compressing it onto your computer. So, or onto a computer or onto like a server, like with Netflix or with amazon Mm -hmm. that's what it's made for so it would be good for people let's say you're like a youtuber and 
you have a you know have a nice camera, you have a nice PC that can do this, that can compress it fairly easily, but you have shitty internet. You still want to be able to post good quality video, um, but if your internet's garbage, uh, if it's a bigger file, it might just take longer. So it might be more feasible to take the extra time to compress. That way you're not taking even more time for the upload. Uh, and I think those are are more the use cases that you're going to see this in is and I and I honestly think it's mostly made for cloud service providers. It even says here um, having the bitrate requirements of video file files is no or having halving uh, cutting the bitrate in half uh, video files is no small feat. Uh, making H.26 um, 266 a major innovation for cloud video providers. So that's mostly what it's going to be for. Uh, and probably people like who, like Linus, who posts, he literally has like a 128 terabyte server or something like that. Linus Tech Tips. Mm -hmm. That's insane. And I want it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hold on. Okay. Before we jump off, what would you do with that much data? Um, Follow up question to that too. I mean, I would have a massive Plex server. That's one thing I would do with that much data. My follow-up uh, question was, when are you reconverting all of the media on your Plex server? <laughs> um, so so here's, my, here's actually my plan. So let's talk about my Plex server here real quick. My plan is this. There are on eBay, which I don't like eBay, but it is new... Brand new hard drives, um, 7,200 RPM, four terabyte hard drives. Nice. Uh, for $67 a piece. That's with, a very good deal. With free shipping. So what I would do is buy four of those and put them in RAID 1 or 5. Probably 5. That way I would have, I think if I did that, then I would have, what, 12 terabytes and then one for data swapping in case something goes wrong that sounds right i'm not too up to date with my differences in raids that could be uh, uh, raid one no that's definitely not raid one i think that is yeah. raid five raid zero is uh striped so it has two just acting as one so half the data is written to one hard drive half to the other uh which increases the speed theoretically double usually mm -hmm. it's about 80 to 90 percent um, higher, uh, and then raid one is mirrored. So no performance increase, but you get redundancy. And then I believe five is striped with, and I could be wrong, striped with a redundant disc. So you, you could like have four and three of them would be striped together. And then if one of those go bad, they would write the data to the fourth one. And you'd have to replace the one that went bad. I believe that's how it would go. Um, and then there are there are other types. Like there's RAID 10, which is... Uh, it requires a lot of disks. So you have like... Uh, it's, one, it's one plus zero. So it's striped. Two striped and then two um, redundant disks. And that's a lot of... Um, like businesses will use like RAID 10. I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. But anyway, I would have like 12 terabytes. That's my plan is to have like 12 terabytes 
of storage on my Plex server at some point and then get a bunch of shows. I already have a bunch of shows, but um, get even more shows. I can't wait to see all of your high-quality Laserday scripts. Uh, okay, here's another. You just, you just brought, brought up another thing I tested out this week, um, and I'm not going to do it until I build a new computer. But there's something called uh, Topaz Labs has uh, their gigapixel thing. A lot of people are using it for, like, um, old PlayStation games. You know, like the the Final Fantasy ones where they do the AI enhancing? The AI upscaler? Yeah, I remember you yeah. playing that. Uh, Final Fantasy Nine. I think you were playing. Uh, it looks so good, too. Anyway. Amazing. Are they yeah. doing that with uh, Blu-rays? I'm they're sorry, doing it. I mean? They're doing it with videos. Well, videos. They, okay. they have a video enhance or video AI enhancement thing that I tested out. It does work. But it's super slow. Like, you can take, you know, like a Blu-ray, uh, or I'm sorry, like a Laserdisc, record it, and then um, put it in this AI up upscaler. But it would take for, like, an hour and a half long video, it takes, like, 30 hours to upscale. Because it works at, like, two frames a second. That's okay. It can take... Some- as long as it needs. Yeah. And the only the only thing I would upscale and put on my Plex would be the original Star Wars. Cuz I have the original Star Wars without any edits. Well, you know, you know, special the enhancements. Original. I know what you mean. Yeah. I have that on LaserDisc. LaserDisc. Right. Uh that's the best quality version of that movie that you can find in that particular format. So that's what I would upscale and put on there. But anyway, I'm not going to do that because the product is $200. So uh, that, would be, that would be a waste of money while I'm unemployed. Let's move on to our next story. Did you come up? Was this your story you put here? Mm, the, the Portland one? I do think it's a great idea, though. More states should follow suit. Yeah, so this, I read about it. Um, it says here in the uh, Gizmodo article, the headline is delivery ghouls pissed after Portland limits restaurant fee gouging. Um, and it says Portland, Oregon is the latest city to introduce fee regulating policies for third party apps with its city council this week, unanimous, unanimously approving a fee cap of 10% per delivery order whereas fees to restaurants could normally shoot as high as 30%. Um, I'm, I'm a little curious what this means. When you're affiliated with, like, Grubhub or something, does that mean for every sale you get on Grubhub, like, you have to pay Grubhub 30% of that sale? Is that I- what I'm understanding? I don't think it's going to Grubhub. I think what happens is companies are going online for, instead of having their own online service, they'll say, hey, let's just become affiliated with DoorDash or whatever the hell is. I, I don't actually do too much uh, e-food shopping. I know that's a Roa's thing. Yeah. But I think what they are doing to that is saying, okay, you want to place an online order? Bam, 30% upcharge. Yeah. Um. I, but but I think that's I think that's what they're doing it, i i could be wrong 
I'm not but, sure if it's Grubhub doing that or you know who the fuck ever, or if that's the restaurant. But I think, the ordinance is put into place to keep that from essentially becoming a you know almost half the price of the meal. Yeah. Um, it said the ordinance, which was introduced by Commissioner Chloe Udally, Udally and co-sponsored by Mayor Ted Wheeler, will cap fees to restaurants at 5% when an order does not require delivery, such as for takeaway. So they're basically making it so that uh, they're protecting consumers. And of course, of course, they're um, not happy about it. Like the uh, Grubhub and stuff are not happy about this. Um, And they said... Let's see. We're disappointed that in the midst of this crisis and when food delivery is more essential than ever, Portland City Council have passed a dramatic and arbitrary cap that will have the unintended consequence of reducing sales for local restaurants and earning earning opportunities for delivery workers. A DoorDash, it, it sounds like DoorDash takes a percentage. Mm-hmm. It sounds like when you order food from DoorDash, um, the restaurant has to give DoorDash a percentage of that sale. That's what it seems like to me. And they can DoorDash can take up to 30%. And that might be why when you see when you order something off DoorDash, the prices are are quite a bit higher than if you go to the restaurant yourself. Um it says DoorDash doesn't just connect restaurants to customers. We facilitate the delivery of each order and commissions help us cover a number of expenses uh, expenses on behalf of restaurants, including paying dashers who deliver the food. A spokesperson for Grubhub, so that was from DoorDash, a spokesperson for Grubhub said, frustrated by the lack of transparency and cooperation from the city for not bringing industry voices uh, earlier to work together for a solution, arguing that any cap on fees represents an overstep by local officials and would not withstand a legal challenge. That is bullshit. That uh, is stupid. I personally am happy that Portland City Council did not consult the industry leaders before they made this decision. Because how many times have we seen just in the last few years where let's let's look at the healthcare industry? We have somebody like Donald Trump. And during his original 2016 campaign, he said, wow, pharmaceutical prices are way too high. We ne- I need to put a stop to that. We need to put in regulations that will allow us to lower prices. Um, we need to basically screw the industry. One meeting. He had one meeting with healthcare professional or the pharmacy leaders. And he's like, oh man, you know, they're getting, they're, they're actually the victims here. They need to charge you more. That's the problem. They're not charging you enough money. So I am personally happy that they did not consult industry leaders. What What are your thoughts on that? I think that the corporate interest should not be putting their fingers into the salad of the uh, legislative uh, that is placed in these kind of situations. Like if you're yeah. going to be the one directly benefiting, if you're going to be the one controlling the price, you shouldn't have a say on how high or low that price goes. Right. Not now, at least when you don't have the interests of the people that you're getting money from in mind. Right. They're, they're a purely a money. It's purely, purely a money thing. 
Uh, it, Uber Eats also dis disapproved the measure. Good. If if more of you disapprove it, the better I feel about it. Uh, Uber Eats also dis uh, disapproved of the measure, with the company saying it may need to rethink its current business model and insinuating the move may impact courier earnings. So there, what Uber Eats is saying is, if we can't price gouge, we are going to pay the people who work for us less money mm -hmm. because we need that sweet, sweet profit. And if we don't appeal to our, our stockholders and get more and more money, then we're just going to have to pay people less. Um, it says, by, regu uh, by regulating the way we fund our operations, the city will force us to rethink how we do business, including reducing service areas or increasing consumer-facing fees, which could result in reduced revenue for restaurants, fewer income opportunities for delivery people, and limited access to food delivery for the public. So I would like to see literally any study that supports those claims, but I would also like to see people study Portland in these upcoming months or so as they go through these changes just to see how much of a benefit it gives yeah so it's, that if it doesn't cost an arm and a leg people are going to be ordering out and for delivery more yeah see that's the that's the thing is every time i've seen industry leaders or people come and say oh this is how it's going to happen and the city's like no it's not and then it happens exactly the way the city did or the city said like Let's look at the, the tax cuts. I think it was 2018 they did the tax cuts, was it? Um, and they had, or 2017, I forget. Anyway, they did, they did the huge tax cuts. And industry leaders were like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to help the economy. Our, our percentage of GDP value is going to go up to like 5 or 6%. It's going to be great, uh, you know, because we're just going to have more, more ability to hire people. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And the... The CDC, or not CDC, anyway, uh, the, the government, CBD, CBD, I think it was. Um, they're like, no, it's going to actually be like a, a $1 to $1.5 trillion deficit. So it's going to be. And the industry is like, no, 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 it's going to pay for itself. And then it's a $1.5 trillion deficit. And now the industry's like, oh, man, we could not see that coming. Nobody knew. <laughs> What would um, fucking happen? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Just nonstop. Ever since, I don't know, 1991 or something like that, it's just all gone to shite, man. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, actually, uh, I would say uh, 1979 or 1978 is when it all started going to shit. And that is when um, the, I think it was the Supreme Court ruled that money is speech and so and corporations are people and That's, so if yeah. if corporations are people and money is speech then if you limit how much money they can spend on political campaigns you are stifling their freedom of speech That's dumb I I've always thought that giving corporations the same rights as people is dumb But corporations are people that's what Mitt Romney said. I think he's wrong. Yes, you are. You are correct. Now, uh, I think this is good. We'll see what happens in Portland. I'm going to imagine that none of these places are going to pull out of Portland. So 
I'm pretty sure we're going to be okay. I think I think Portland's going to survive with that. Now, there are a bunch of other cities that are doing uh, fees like this or uh, limits to the fees like this, uh, but I guess Portland is one of the lowest fees, that like the lowest limit that they put on there. From the article, there was an emergency order issued in April in San Francisco that capped it to 15%. And then similar measures have been taking place in cities like New York, LA, and Seattle. Yes, I do. I do not feel bad for any of these um, companies who may be losing a couple million dollars when people oh, sure. are literally losing their jobs because of COVID. So, um, let's move on to a, a happier story. Oh, did I have? There was another story I thought I wanted to talk about. Those Wasn't are the that... only ones you posted. Um, for the podcast. Oh no, it's the the roundup. I didn't have the roundup on my thing. We got we got Persona, and then we got the Nintendo roundup. Oh. So anyway, uh, Persona Four Golden has surpassed half a million players on Steam. That's a That's, lot of consecutive plays. That well, I don't think it's consecutive plays. It's just that's how many people purchased oh, the sense. game. Okay. Yeah, which. I mean, for an eight-year-old game, that's pretty freaking good. Let me know when you get to Skyrim numbers. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, obviously, Skyrim is is a different story. But for a pretty niche um, game, like, you had Persona 4, which I would argue is probably the, the, the big breakout hit of the Persona series. Um, I mean, three... I don't think fair to call it niche though people play these games people like these games obviously that's there's 500,000 players since it's launched on steam last month that's true but like we'll get into it but but it's it's geared to a specific audience we can say that it's not the persona games are not geared towards everyone they're um, geared towards weeaboo garbage lovers exactly uh and it's a uh I think it's a good sis. I think it's a good game, uh, and I can see why you would be frustrated with some of it, but I don't see why you hate it, and I definitely don't see why you hate some of the music. Oh my god, I hate the music in the Persona games. Gee, what the really fuck crazy. is wrong with you? It is so repetitive, and it has to be repetitive because you do so much waiting around and doing nothing in that game. It's such a good it's game. Weird trash. This coming from the person who plays through Final Fantasy VII how many times a year? Usually about once a year. Okay. That's that's not weeaboo garbage at all? You don't do a lot of sitting around or dating Barrett? It, I won't argue that it hasn't aged well, and it's definitely not a perfect game. Watch any YouTube video to get that general opinion. But I do think that its story is tolerable, much more in the beats, like in the moment-to-moment, than Persona's is by far. And that's coming from a game that has you cross-dressing for a pretty significant part of the game very early yeah, on. Yeah, you got like an hour or two where you're just trying to cross-dress as well as you can. And unfortunately, I I failed when I first played through that game. I the right door and the honey bee in. Yeah, I did not get um, Don, Don Carlo. Uh, I, I always thought it was Don Corneo, but maybe that's Don, wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's Don Corneo. Um, I did not get him to pick me, which I was pissed off. I was like, I'm the prettiest girl here. What the fuck? 
Uh, I think he picks Tifa over me. I think that's that's who he picks, right? I think it's. I I don't remember if it's not you. Then if it's based on what you've been like the answers that you've been giving them, I think it's connected to the dating mini game in some way. Unless you have all the right items. Okay. But like okay. I don't know what the backup condition is because I just know how to get all the right items. So anyway, Persona Four. Golden, released on Steam a couple weeks ago, or a month ago. It's reached 500,000 purchasers, which is pretty good, and it uh, hopefully paves the way for more JRPGs like this to be re-released on Steam, because like we have uh, like Persona Persona 4, the normal Persona, and then Persona 3 FES, uh, both of those were on the the PlayStation 2, and it would be really cool if those were re-released on Steam. And obviously the the big one that recent, recently released was Persona 5 Royal Edition, and that would be really cool to see come on Steam too. I wouldn't play it because I've already beaten Persona 5, but I think it would do really well on Steam as well. Um, I still don't understand why you... Why do you hate it? But that's hey, hey, imagine if during that entire conversation I just sang the same sixteen bars over and over. Uh if they if they had a good beat, it might be worth it. Ugh, I'm just hard. gonna I'm just gonna through this whole conversation just have so what uh, we watch anime. <laughs> you, you know what? I would actually enjoy that quite a bit. <laughs> just it would that... drive me mad, but I it would make me very happy. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that, but uh, it would be funny. So, uh, our last story that we're going to talk about, it's a pretty short podcast today. Uh, there was a Treehouse event. Did you watch this Treehouse event? I wanted to, and I never got to. Um, yeah. I watched like the first 15 minutes of the Origami King playthrough, right. and then there was something about backagains. I don't even know what that is. Uh, okay, so I watched, I skipped forward, but I, I, think, I, I think I figured it out. So we've got uh, two things that were announced by Nintendo. You got Paper Mario, the Origami King. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never played a Paper Mario game. I owned Paper Mario a Thousand Year Door, and I never played it. People say that's the best one. I've never played it, but I loved the first one. Uh, I, have I very intimate memories with the first one. I did play uh, Super Mario RPG a little bit. Not, that's I didn't get to beat it when I was a kid. That's some would say that's the best Paper Mario game. It is. Um, and I've also I, played this on Switch, which I I like to pretend just didn't happen. Why? Not very oh, good. The, the writing the, was very mediocre, and the gameplay was repetitive. Was that the Sticker Star story or whatever? No, this is the one that went into three dimensions. Oh, you know okay. What gets old really fast. Solving puzzles by going in three dimensions. Oh, I see. Now you can see the bridge that you couldn't see before. Who would have thought that would have been how you get past this part of the game? No, no, that's just you were just playing a link between worlds. I that's that's a whole other conversation. I know people <laughs> love that game, and I didn't like it. Um, so the Paper Mario, uh, the Origami King, apparently, uh, according to this, there's like a, a like everything's going to be done uh, using like. Obviously, Paper Mario stuff, but like origami figures, I guess. I, I didn't really understand what was going on in, in the thing that I watched. It's the so, latest 
in gimmick. Yeah. And then Bakugan. Uh, this has I'm 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 reading this from inEurope.com. Uh, it says Champions of Vestroya is an all new action role playing game in an, uh with an original story that expands on the hit TV series and brings the Bakugan universe to the Nintendo Switch for the first time. Now, do you know of this hit TV series? I know what it was by watching the videos that were included in the link. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind if a combat slash action RPG is good. Like, I don't need to be connected to the the IP in order to enjoy it. I just don't know what the fuck is going on when I look at this. Okay. I think this will explain it a little bit. First off, uh, I did not know that there was a Bakugan TV series until I read that sentence. Uh so it says the adventure takes players on the ultimate Bakugan journey as they befriend powerful creatures known as Bakugan, gear up and customize Bakugan teams for fiercely strategic battles, and master their skills to be the champion of Estroya. Uh, players can also play online in head-to-head multiplayer. It's Pokemon. Yeah, it's Costco brand Pokemon, except sometimes they're really big for some reason. Yeah, they just so stand there and stare at each other and occasionally do fight animations. Didn't they do that in the newest Pokemon with the mega evolutions and everything? Or oh, the what? What were they called? I forget what they gig, gigantic evolutions Gigantamax or something like that. I don't. Remember. I didn't like the new Pokemon game for silly reasons too. Damn I it, didn't why don't I like video games anymore, Nathan. I don't know. Just play um Lonely Mountains Downhill, um. That's a so, weird way of saying Morrowind. <laughs> just play Daggerfall. Daggerfall's fun. It's so old. I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't do it. It's just so... Not um, to get too off topic, but it actually has aged awfully. Yes, it, it has. So, Paper Mario, The Origami King, and then Bakugan, Champions of Vestroya. Uh, those were announced for, I believe, the Switch. I uh, might try Paper Mario. I will not try Bakugan. How about you? Yeah, I'm not going to touch Bakugan just because it's it's watching big things have fight sprites. I'm I'm looking at the video again right now. I think they only like dramatically animate one at a time too. Like you are just watching pre-recorded fight cutscenes. Oh Oof. man! Uh, but Paper Mario, I love the first one. The second one is goddamn legendary for the story it tells and then since then all i've heard is bad about the games yeah uh, there is a youtuber i watch every once in a while arlo who has been talking about paper mario for like the last four years or something like that and most of my opinions come from i guess youtubers but it sounds <laughs> like they've sacrificed quality of story writing for paper themed game mechanics and some of them are just not play tested like you can completely bypass fighting because you don't get rewarded in any significant way it's just there to slow you down there was a game i played on the playstation 2 i think where there's this boss standing in front of a door it's it's a weird rpg where it's like it's 2.5d uh so you're like moving back and forth between rooms and stuff but it's it was weird but there like, was a monster. Explain 2.5D. I don't get what you mean by that. It's like uh, a 2D platformer, but like with 3D backgrounds and stuff. 
Oh, uh, Wario for the Virtual Boy. Yes, exactly. It's Wario for the... But it was weird. It was like an RPG. So, like, you would get into a battle, and it would go into RPG, normal RPG battle thing. It was weird. But there well, was a... Like Super Mario RPG or Paper Mario or something. Yeah, maybe. So there, was a, so there was a boss standing in front of a door, and you're like, oh, man, this boss is going to be hard. Uh, and actually, it was a hard boss. Uh, figured out, you can just walk by him. Just don't have to fight him. Just walk right past him. Now, it's an RPG, so maybe you get experience or something like that. Yeah, I don't. It was like 17 years ago. I just thought it was funny that you could just walk right past the boss and, and continue on with the story. Um. Anyway, those those are our stories for today. We had a, a pretty short podcast today, but um, what was the, there was something I was going to bring up, and then I, I switched gears. But now I can't remember it, so we're just going to continue. And why are you going to play Morrowind again? <laughs> Have you ever played Morrowind? Uh, Every time I play that game, I find something new in it. The, I mean, yes, I have played it, but I probably played the garbage version. Even on that first time I played Morrowind was on the Xbox version. I've since learned the folly of my ways. Yes. But it's doable. I didn't like so I think my my sister's ex boyfriend played that game and he had like a bunch of cheats in, so he ran super fast. So all I remember him doing was running in one direction and then just constantly getting load times. So you can do that without cheating if you just take a whole bunch of skooma. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So yeah, he would just run in one direction. Now I'm it might be a little bit better uh since I have modded Xboxes and I could put the the game on the hard drive so it might load faster. And one of the main problems with Morrowind on the original Xbox was after you played for so long, it would actually load slower mm-hmm. the more you played. The more you changed the world. Yeah, so... But uh, that's irrelevant because it's 2020 and you could play Morrowind with, like... You could play it with the, the Fog of War just turned off and just see how the regions change colors like it's a goddamn polykiesel. Well, and also they have... Oh, I was that's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask, um, have you... They, they have, like, enhanced, like, mods for it now too, right? Where you have, like whole new graphics and everything. Yeah, and they've had that basically for as long as it's been on PC too. I think the game released with a a, a creation kit. Oh yeah. I a composite of it did. I remember having the disc. The the that Garden of been Eden. My very first experience programming, now that I think about it. Oh. Oh. What'd you that make? RPG maker. Um I made a house and that house was supposed to be for the thieves not the thieves guild the oh fuck what are they called not the assassins guild but it's uh the, the brothers the no not the oh fuck what are they called oh it's at the tip of my tongue i'm gonna google it it's gonna drive me crazy it's not was wasn't the brotherhood of um i don't need to google it Morag tong that's what it was oh okay um i built them a place just so i didn't have to crawl through the sewers to get to there and then i did enough research to find out that when you open a door it teleports your character to a note i don't remember what they were called sector or shell or map or whatever and i got about that far so basically all you had to do was create a wall that had a door 
and you could you could open up the door and then make it teleport you to where that guild was and the walls were copied too but they were arranged and colliding with each other to make it not seem like a building with like hallways but it was just a closed off building i was like nine so get off my jack i'm not i'm not like saying anything bad i'm just wondering how we could have fixed this uh because if it were me uh i like i'm very much like minimalistic and i want it to work so if i knew okay if i i can make a door that i can just teleport to this specific guild um i might just make like a small house that i could go into and then just have a bunch of doors like this is the thieves guild and this is this guild and then just walk through each of those doors to get to where I need to go. And you should be able to do that with the creation kit. I think the problem with that is NPCs might get curious and poke their heads in there. I don't know. It's a pretty Maybe. basic game. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's our, that's our podcast for today. Let's end it here. Thank you for being here, Connor. Uh, without you, I, uh, a row wouldn't be here either. This week. I'm sorry. What was that? You probably wouldn't have done it this week. Uh, it would have been a lot less entertaining. That's what would have happened. Um, I will be here next week. Uh, Connor might be here next week. It depends on how his week goes, probably. Um, that are the stories we talk about. Yeah, that too. And uh, make sure to catch me on twitch.tv forward slash Reeton uh, Monday through Thursday this week at 6 p.m. Pacific time to 9 p.m. Pacific time. I forgot to mention something before I left or before I need to tell you something about Twitch. <laughs> okay. Gracefully done, as always. Gracefully done. And then we'll leave. Uh, I got the overlay working. Oh, nice. Yeah, you said something about being able to record now. Well, I got... So, Mix It Up Bot, which is the bot that I used for Mixer, um, they have switched to working on Twitch now. And so, I've got the follows, I've got the... the, all, All of the things that we're working on mixer i've got working on twitch now so now when somebody follows it'll be like hey thanks for following thanks for noticing me uh yeah and i've set those things up for when i'm hosted and stuff but also i have made a special command for the moderators that can be used once every 20 minutes that plays i'm the baby gotta love me and it works with the overlay does it play the video too yes it does can I convince you to drop it down to 15 minutes? Maybe. I, I, but I, the problem is I know you. And I know you'll just spam. You'll like have a timer. And you're like, this is when I used it. <laughs> this is my Twitch bot. Every 15 minutes it pings Reeton's Twitch. I would, I would make you not a moderator anymore. <laughs> That's what I would do. Um, but yes, so, so I've got that working. And I'm very excited. Uh, And then I also have those emotes coming uh, later this week. So thank you for being here. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. He's going to take you back to the past.